love a point salad. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 26. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Most days are weekdays. So today on the show, we discuss our favorite games to play during the week. All right, Mamie, we have a nice glass of red wine and a box of tissues right here. (laughs) I know. I'll try not to cough or sneeze on the microphone if I can help it. Anyone who lives like we do in the southeastern United States is well aware of the soft blanket of yellow that has descended upon literally everything outside. I, I mean, I appreciate the trees need to reproduce, but I just wish they didn't have to do it on my car and my back porch, on my skin, in my nasal passages. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we actually got some rain yesterday that washed most of it away, but then within an hour, it's back. Yeah, it's we are in the thick of pine pollen season, which is a special yellow powder that covers everything. You can probably hear it in my voice that it also is not great for those of us with allergies. Yeah, that's why we're a few days behind because you didn't have much of a voice a few days ago, but the show must go on. Yesterday, I think I had no voice, and the day before that, I sounded like like a frog. Well, we're going to power through, and we've got something to wet your whistle right here, so why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so tonight's wine actually has a little bit of a backstory. A few years ago, um, another parent at our son's preschool approached me about hosting a wine party, which that sounded like a good idea. I like wine and I enjoy parties for a wine called One Hope Wine. And as I did a little bit of research into it, though, I realized that it was kind of just the newest like multi-level marketing um, along the lines of the LuLaRoe and 31, which I was getting constant invites to at the time. And Tupperware, like old school? Old school was Tupperware. Amway. Amway. Is that still a thing? Tupperware? Amway. I don't know. (laughs) Mary Kay. That was the other one. My mom, I remember my mom having Mary Kay parties when I was a kid. That would be a great board game theme, multi-level marketing. Oh, that's actually a good idea. Maybe there is one, but it seems like that would be a great game. You have to... Listeners, if you know of a game about multi-level marketing, let us know. Expand your retail empire before it all collapses under the weight of itself. That's a good idea. So anyway, I balked at this having to invite my friends to drink wine and then try to convince them to buy it scheme. So I said no, and I turned her down. But this week, I was in the grocery store, and on the shelf, they had One Hope Wine, which is this wine that she used to market. And, you know, I'm not going to have a party and try to convince my friends to buy wine, but I will totally buy a bottle of wine that has, you know, sort of an ulterior motive. Because One Hope, and and this was the one thing about it that was kind of hard for me, One Hope Wine, while it was the sort of multi-level marketing, the flip side of it was that they also linked charities with the wine, so they were also helping other people, which is, you know, something I I do appreciate. That's a good thing. Yeah. So I picked this bottle up off the shelf just to kind of see, is this the same One Hope? And it is. So now they have their wines available on the 
shelf in the grocery store, but they're still doing the the charity thing. So a big portion of their proceeds, it looked like it varied depending on who the partnership was with, um, but it was anywhere between like 30 and 50% of the proceeds from every bottle went to a different charity. And so this particular bottle of Capsav that we are drinking contributes to helping provide ABA therapy for children with autism, which is kind of awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. You work a lot with kids, so that's I something do. near and dear to your heart. I do. So if you know, if I don't have to convince my friends, if I can just buy it on the shelf and also help contribute to a good cause, I'm all in. So it's like all the good left behind without the annoying. Exactly. Yeah. What well, do you think of the wine? Yeah, let's try the wine. That's what it boils down to. Uh, this is good. I mean, I love a Cabernet, and, and this one's pretty good. Yeah, it's very smooth. Yeah, it has a nice, good, rounded flavor. It goes down pretty easy. It's uh, fairly flavorful. I feel like you get some some fruits, maybe a little bit of smoke, but not overpowering. Uh, pretty easy drinking for a cab. Yeah, it's very easy drinking. I like it a lot. Very approachable. What's the price point on this one? So this one, the price point, so it was on sale, right? Because that's the other thing that I always look for in a bottle of wine. I think the list price is in the like $19, $20 range, but it was on sale for 15 Okay, 15 that's not bad. Yeah, and if, you know, 30, 30% of it is going to to help children. That's what they say. You're such a cynic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here for the wine and board games. Okay. All right. So on to the board games. We have been playing board games. Yeah, we've been playing a few board games lately. We've been playing a lot of Concordia over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's one that you first played at the Who's Turn convention here in Durham, which I didn't get to play. And then you broke your... Well, you had already broken your vow not to buy new games before that, but you continued to break your vow to buy both Concordia and the Salsa or Salt expansion. I went all in on Concordia. So I got the new Concordia Venus, which is sort of like the Concordia second edition. It's basically the base game. They've added a couple little new features and some new maps. Uh, So I figured I might as well just go ahead and get that. So I got Concordia and Salsa, which adds the salt. So we've been playing lots of permutations of Concordia. And I feel like my most recent game order the theme surrounding it was games I didn't necessarily like at first, but then decided to give them another try. So Concordia and the other game we've been playing, Coimbra. But let's talk about Concordia for a minute. We've played lots of permutations of Concordia, Mamie. What are you thinking of that one? I'm really enjoying it. You know, we have played both in larger groups on bigger maps and then with just the two of us on a smaller map and... I've enjoyed all of the games. This is a game that scratches a little bit of an itch I have for a heavier game, but the rule's pretty straightforward. I mean, the rule book is like two pages, which is pretty crazy. But I tell you what, why do? how about we not talk too much about Concordia right now? Oh, is that a spoiler? We shall see. But I also mentioned Coimbra, uh, which is a game we played first at Dice Tower Con, and shout out to Matt Felici, who listens to the show from time to time, I believe, who first taught us that game. And I felt bad after we got back from Dice Tower Con and we were lukewarm on it. But, you know, I thought a little more about it and I like the dice and there's kind of some unique features and I actually saw it on sale. So I thought, well, let's give it another shot. You are such a fan of dice. I love dice. And the dice drafting aspect and the little, I I call them the pants, but they're like little castles that you put your dice in. (laughs) Little pants. (laughs) You put your pants on the dice. Dice pants. Um, It's, you know, it's... It's kind of a neat, unique feature, an interesting mechanism in that game that the color of the dice 
matters in one portion of the game, but then the number on the dice matters in a different portion. So you have to kind of consider all of that when you're drafting. And it was a lot of fun. We need to play that one a few more times. Yeah, we played a nice four-player game last night, had a ton of fun. I love going up scoring tracks. That is a game mechanism that I particularly enjoy. And that's a big part of it. There are all these tracks. You have to choose which ones to go up. So I think that's one I'd like to play a little bit more that we'll probably talk more about in the future. The other game, Mamie, we have been playing a ton of is Ganshan Clever. Yes. Another dice game. Well, you say we've been playing a ton of it. I think we've played two games with the actual dice but three three games with the dice three games with the dice at about 100 games 150 <laughs> games on my phone and you are so funny because you were on a work trip when i first downloaded it and i was playing it and i knew you were about to fly from denver to to raleigh which is about a four-hour flight i said mamie i texted you mamie you should download this Ganshan clever game and play it on the plane. It's so fun. And you got home and you're like, nah, that's lame. I didn't like it. Well, I also had like hours of Netflix to watch on the plane that I'd been saving because that's the only time I watch TV. So that might have been part of it. Well, that's fair. But you... Uh, now I'm addicted. Originally downplayed it. And now almost every time I see you here at the house with your phone, you're playing Ganshan Clever. Well, you know what made the difference. You told me what your highest score was. And so then I had to figure out how to get higher than that highest score. That is true. You came home from your trip and you said, oh, I got like 135. <laughs> like, oh, I usually get closer to 200. And then it was on. It was on, yeah. yeah. Plus, then we played a game here in which you soundly beat me. So I felt the need to practice and get better. What's your high score so far? Uh, I had one that was in 280s. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's really good. It that's... was really lucky, though. I got a lot of really good rolls. I think mine was uh, 265. That's the best I've been able to do. So far, but I the win. quest, <laughs> you are better. Uh, the quest for 300. I think once I get 300, I'll just stop. I don't know if it's possible, but it might be. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. I see okay. people, people online, you have to brag about it if you get to I'm 300. I'm sure I will. Uh, but I will say, and, and I had tweeted about this, after playing a lot of times on the app before we ever played it on the table, I think I really prefer the in-person physical copy of the game oh, definitely. with another player. It's it's much more fun. I, definitely. I a, diff- mean, a different experience, really. It's very different. I mean, in fact, it, I would say it changes gameplay because you have to think not only about what you're taking, but what you're leaving for the other person, which doesn't matter. That's true on the app. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, that's enough about what we have been playing. Uh, but first, before we get into our topic of the week, just wanted to take a moment to give a special thanks to our small but growing group of Patreon patrons. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you would like to support Cardboard and Wine and help us keep things going, you can just go to patreon.com slash cardboardandwine, or you can go to our website, cardboardandwine.com, and click on the Become a Patron button. And to show our thanks, we'll send you a nifty little Cardboard and Wine button so you can show your support for the show. They're very cute. They sure are. All right, Mamie. Well, why don't we jump right into our topic of the week? Okay. If I look back on our game playing habits throughout the year, we play a lot of games, just the two of us. Yes. I would say way more than half. Oh, I don't, yeah, probably about half. And, you know, even more than that, we play a lot of games on weeknights. We have our regular gaming, our regular gaming group 
gets together on Wednesday nights. So when you factor in the games you and I play on weeknights, we're usually busy on weekends. I feel like weekends, we have social outings or kid things. Um, So weeknights, really the bulk of our gaming happens. But one unique feature of weeknights is we have worked all day and gotten kids in bed and we are exhausted. Yeah, and we usually have to be up early the next morning to do it all again. That's true. So what we thought would be a fun and interesting topic, and I'm sure a lot of folks are in that same situation as us. They love to play games, but they've got family responsibilities and jobs and careers and and just lots of things going on. Uh, But you don't necessarily want to just cram all your gaming into one or two weekend nights. So we thought a great topic to discuss on the show would be some of our favorite games to play on those weeknights when you're crammed for time, but you want to to get some gaming in uh, between work and family and, and bed. So there are obviously a lot of games that fit the bill for that, and we've talked about quite a few of them on the show. So we decided to narrow this down a little bit and specifically focus on games that take an hour or less and are pretty easy to set up, are games that we have not featured on the show previously. And we tried to pick games that go beyond kind of the typical short filler games, which are also great on weeknights, but those are games like Splendor and Reef, Century Spice Road and Sagrada and Wingspan, we obviously think would definitely make the list, but we just talked about it a couple weeks ago. So we're not going to include that one. So these are other games that are great weeknight games. Yeah, these would be games that... They can give you a fairly substantial gaming experience, but are reasonable to play on a weeknight. We probably would not break out Dominant Species or 18xx on a Wednesday. You might, but I would not. I actually would do it. <laughs> <laughs> but there aren't too many people around me who are, go along with it. We so. have different sleep needs. We do. I could always game, but, <laughs> but I would pay for it the next day. So <laughs> these are games with minimal regrets uh, the next day. All right, so these are not in any particular order. So what we did is we went through, we sat together and went through our game collection and came up with this list, and it's not necessarily ranked in any way. So we're just going to go through these. Um, Although a few things I noted, or one thing that after we came up with our list, this was not intentional, but maybe I realized this is, one, a fairly older set of games. So the newest game on the list is 2015. So none of these games came out within the last four years. Um, And the oldest goes all the way back to 2000. I mean, I think some of these are games that we haven't played as frequently this year, but they're all games that we really enjoy and that are, I don't know, classics, if you will, for us. Yeah, and I would be happy to play any of these any night of the week. And the other thing I'll say, all of these games, except one, so we're going to go through our top 10 here, or at least 10, All of these, except one, I believe, are currently in print. So you could purchase them right now. Awesome. Yeah. So get your computer ready and set it to your favorite board game store, and you can shop along with us as we go. All right. So our number 10 favorite weeknight game is, from 2015, Isle of Sky. And that is Sky with an E. I believe that is the uh, Scottish spelling. That's true. So Isle of Sky is as similar in some ways has a Carcassonne feel to it. You have these little square tiles and there are mountains and grasslands and water. And so, so you're laying these tiles down in your, your little, your little village that you're creating in front of you. 
One thing I really like about Isle of Sky is the game takes place over five rounds. And each game of Isle of Sky, there are four different features of your little village that you're building that are going to score. And the thing that's cool about it is in each round, a different combination of those four things will actually score you points. So, for example, uh, in the first round, you might only score the number of lighthouses that you've built. But then in the second round, it might be the number of sheep and the number of completed regions that you've built. And in the third, it'll be a different combination. So you can see all this up front, um, what's going to score at different times. But from round to round, the things you might need to focus on are different. And the other thing that's cool is the way you get these tiles is you have a player screen and each player drafts three of these tiles. Uh, they set these in, these tiles in front of their player screen, but behind the screen, they set a certain amount of money that those tiles are going to cost. And then other players actually have the, the choice of purchasing a tile for that amount from you. And if they do, you get all their money. Um, however, if no one wants to buy it, uh, you pay that money and you get to keep the tile. So there's sort of this interesting decision between, ooh, is this a tile I really want? If I really want it, I need to try to price it high enough that nobody else is going to buy it. But then again, I also need money to buy other tiles, so I don't want to just price everything super high. Uh, just kind of a unique mechanism. And the only thing that bugs me about this game is there are roads on the tile. And unlike what has been drilled into our head by Carcassonne, roads do not have to connect to other roads. It is very hard for me to lay down a tile and have the road not go anywhere. The road to nowhere, and that is a legal move. It drives me crazy, but I find myself trying to match them up anyway, even if it's in the, <laughs> not in the best interest of what I'm building. Old habits die hard. I know. Uh, but that is a game that, that we enjoy. It plays fast. It has some interesting decisions. That is Isle of Sky. Number nine on our list of weeknight games is Steamrollers. And Steamrollers is also from 2015. And it's a really cool little roll and write game. And, I, you know, this this roll and write, we, we mentioned earlier, clever. I'm not going to say the German Gunshot words because I'm going to mess them up. I, I really enjoy that. We've played another, um, like, flip and write card game recently that was really fun. Welcome to. Yes. And I don't like about roll and writes that you're wasting all this paper. So I'm really into laminating them and using a dry erase marker. Oh, you don't like having to tear the sheets off. And no, it's wasteful. But Steamrollers, anyway, back to the game at hand. Steamrollers is a fun train-themed roll and write. You're, you're rolling dice, and then depending on the dice, you're drawing lines of track. So what you get to draw on your little pad are, are lines of track. And you're trying to connect cities so that you can deliver cubes from one city to another. So, you, you know, imagine that they're cargo and you want to be the um, engineer, the train company, whatever, that has the lines to connect to deliver that cargo the furthest. But in order to do that, there's some other things that you have to do. So it may be that you use dice to lay track, but you might also use them to, say, expand the power of your engine so that you can go further or even maybe uh, take a card that allows you to have some sort of special abilities. So there's several different things that you can do with the dice. And again, we just enjoy rolling dice. So it's a fun little game. It's pretty easy to set up, not, you know, not very complex components, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and unlike a game like Gonshan Clever, which has zero theme at all, <laughs> uh, this game, you know, it has a twist on the, the roll and write mechanism in that you are building train track and 
moving cubes. Exactly. It's like 18xx with dice. And not quite so time consuming. <laughs> That's and, true. But lots of fun. It's funny, our number eight game is another train themed game. That seems to be a thing, train themed. Lots of train games. There are lots Trains of train games. Trains and zombies. Trains are awesome. Trains are awesome. Um, our, our number eight is actually kind of an older game. It's from 2004. A and classic. It is very, very much a classic. Our number eight game is Ticket to Ride. So I'm pretty sure probably all of you have played Ticket to Ride. And we actually were talking about it tonight. It's been a little bit of time since we've pulled that one out. But I would pull it out tonight if you ask. You know, it's it's super fun. It It's very comfortable at this point, I think. We've played it a lot. And it's still always challenging. I was telling Josh just tonight that I really enjoy playing that one in the app on my phone. Yeah, I went through a phase of playing this on the app. I haven't for, for quite some time, but... Uh, you can really play the game pretty quickly on the app. Well, because you don't have to wait on all the other players. Well, that's true. But I totally agree with you. I mean, this is one of the first games we played, probably like a lot of people. But unlike a lot of games we played at the very beginning, this is one I totally agree with you. I'd be happy to play. And and we have acquired a few additional maps. I know we have played the Switzerland map, which is a good tight two-player map. But also, some time ago, we got the, the Britain and Pennsylvania maps. And i they add some little different twists with upgrading your types of train and different company type things. They're not too complicated, but um, just provide enough, a little bit of a twist on the same theme to provide some additional challenges. I will say I did not like the New York version. No, little, it was too simple. Yeah, but I find the just the base ticket to ride an extremely intense and cutthroat I love, experience. I love the base game, although we do have to add the... The 1910 expansion. Yes, because we have to routes. have full-size cards. Well, we have to have full-size cards. Because Josh hates spinning well, cards. Well, in the base game, if you play it enough times, there's not a, quite enough routes that you kind of can memorize them a little bit where you'll know, oh, Mamie's obviously got this route, so I'm going to block her there. Whereas if you throw in all the additional routes from the 1910 expansion, there's a little more variability and uncertainty in what the other people are trying to do. But Ticket to Ride, the base game with the 1910 expansion, definitely had to be on our list of weeknight games. That's the best, in my opinion. All right. All right. So we're going to stay a decade back, 2007, (laughs) and I'm going to go ahead and make this a double entry uh, because these games are very, very similar to one another, and that is Race for the Galaxy and San Juan, two card games that really are kind of the same game, (laughs) just with uh, space theme versus... Puerto Rico theme. I don't know what else to call. Well, it's uh, more of a historical theme, settlement theme, theme. um, trade theme. You know which one I like better. You like San Juan. I do. I just don't like space. You don't like space. Race for the Galaxy is probably the better game. Um, It's just unfortunate, the space theme, because you don't like space themes. That's true. But, But both games, you know, first of all, being a card game, often card games, there's no board to worry about. There's no extra components. You just divvy out the cards in the right way and you're ready to go. It's a very quick, easy setup. Absolutely. And, you know, this has a feature that I really enjoy in card games. That's multi-use cards. Cards are used as the buildings or planets or settlements you're trying to build, but then cards are also placed a different way on top of those buildings or settlements. And then they're goods that you've produced or the way you actually pay for stuff in these games is you pay with cards in your hand. So the cards are everything. Uh, it's just how you use them dictates what they do. And I think that is 
super fun, super cool, and, and makes everything really streamlined. Well, it's interesting that you mention multi-use cards because our number six game, which is a little bit more recent, 2010, is Innovation. And Innovation is another game that is basically a deck of cards. But like a lot of these games from Carl Chuddock, this is not just a normal deck of cards. The cards can be used in all kinds of different ways, depending on the way that you turn them, depending on the way that you stack them. They're kind of multi-featured. Yeah, Innovation is a crazy game. It's a very unique game. I don't think we have anything that's like it. And the thing, I think the thing that is bananas about Innovation is there's this deck of over 100 cards, and every card is completely unique. And I would say, to some degree, there's even a little bit of theme in this game. You, you arrange the cards into these, these 10 sets that represent different ages, starting all the way from the first age, which is prehistory, all the way to the 10th age, which is the information age. Um, and the cards just have sort of these fun technological advancements of mankind throughout the ages that tend to loosely go along with the actions you can perform. And there's just so many different things you can do on this card. I will say this game is a little overwhelming and bananas the very first time you're ever exposed to it. It's like a complex puzzle that you have to figure out how to put together. Oh, yeah. And every card is crazy. And so it just goes off the rails. It's not There's the, like five or six pieces of information on every card. Yeah. And there's not there's not one way to win. There's multiple paths to victory. And really, it's kind of hard to be super strategic. It's not the type of game you can go into it and say, all right, this is my strategy I'm going to stick to to win this game. Because depending on what cards come out, what cards your opponents use, it's very tactical. You're constantly <laughs> constantly zigging and zagging just to try to keep up with what's going on. And I find it to be a super fun puzzle, but one that's not so brain burny because you really can't have this long-term <laughs> strategy. And another thing that I love about it is it plays really, really well with two. In fact, I don't know that we've ever played it with more than two. I've, I've played it with, I've played it with three. I think three is okay. Um, I did play it one time with four players, and that was too many. It was way too chaotic <laughs> at that point. But I totally agree with you. I think two, this game really shines at two or three players for sure. Number five, though, a very different game than the card games we've been talking about. A little bit more complex, a little bit more setup. But that is the only splatter game to make the list. And that is the Great Zimbabwe. This is our splatter choice for the list. Yeah, the only splatter that could certainly fit into this category. And mainly because I think compared to other splatters, this one is certainly the least set up. You get out the big tiles and you just dump out your bag of wooden discs and separate them by color and you're pretty much ready to go with a few cards set up. Uh, but this game plays the shortest, uh, plays the quickest of all the splatters. You can really, I mean, a two-player game of this, you can easily play under an hour, and even a three- or four-player game um, is is going to run you 90 minutes. So compared to some of the longer, heavier splatter games, um, this one is certainly doable on a weeknight. This is not to say that no brain power is required to play the Great Zimbabwe. Yeah, while it is that shorter playtime, I think it definitely, if you're in the mood for something that scratches that heavier itch, like a lot of the splatter games do, where you're having to sort of think about things on multiple levels and really sort of strategize, right? Because you're building your empire. I think this one is great at being all of those things that we love about splatter games without being the length of the other games. 
Yeah, yeah, I feel feel like more and more the more and more time goes by, I think just as we're more and more pressed for time, our ability to play three and four hour games is just so rare these days that um but I certainly yearn for these heavier gaming experiences. And so a game like The Great Zimbabwe that you know really is an intense gaming experience that certainly has an arc to it. There's definitely a beginning middle and and kind of intense ending of the game, but that can easily fit into that sort of 90 minute time frame is, is something that I really enjoy quite a bit. That's a good one. I'm glad we have it and glad it's on the list. Although that one is the one that's not in print anymore. That is the one that unless you pay a lot of money on eBay right now, you will not be able to get easily. However, Splatter has been in the habit of printing of reprinting one of their games about every year or so. And Roads and Boats is coming back this year. And I would have to imagine Great Zimbabwe will be back uh, right around the corner. All right. So our number four game on the list is one of my favorites. In fact, if you ask me, I might say it before we started playing Wingspan. I might have said it was my favorite. But it's, it's an older game, although it's constantly being, expansions have constantly been coming out for it. And that is Dominion. Yeah, actually, I think there was an expansion that just came out in the last six or eight months or so. So they're still still pumping out content for Dominion. After we filled our giant wooden box, we stopped buying Dominion yeah, expansions. We have, we have enough Dominion. But I, I love Dominion. It is one of my favorites. I love the deck building aspect of it. Again, it's just cards, although... At this point, just lifting the box down yeah, and picking tw- out the cards. It's in a 20-pound box. That becomes actually. a little cumbersome. But uh, we have an app where that will randomly select which cards that we're going to play with for any given game. And that's a, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and there's so much variability. I mean, especially with all the expansions, every single game is completely different because it depends on what cards you decide to play with. Yeah, absolutely. The way you play, the strategy you use in one game might work well, but then it goes right out the window. And and the fun of Dominion is really figuring out how to make a machine that runs given the cards available to you from game to game and and reacting to what your your opponents are doing and managing your deck and super fun experience. And really quick to play. Like the typical game time, I would say for us, for a two-player game is what, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah, definitely. So we can play a couple rounds. Yeah, makes it a great... A uh, great weeknight game, and and it'd be it's hardly worth playing uh, just one game after we put all the all the muscle into hefting <laughs> hefting the box <laughs> hefting off the shelf box off the top <laughs> shelf. So, all right, so let's go to our number three game, and that is one that I alluded to at the top of the show, Concordia. So Concordia, probably of all these games, scratches my Euro game itch. I'm very much the the Euro gamer. I love. I love the the resources and moving things around a map and trying to trade things in for other things and build cities. That's just something I really love doing. And the beauty of Concordia to me is it does all those really great things that I want in a Euro game, the decision-making and the optimizing, but in a really streamlined rule set, which makes it pretty easy to just pick up and play and wrap your mind around just how to do it. And while it does have some of those kind of typical components of a of a Euro game, it doesn't have so many bits and pieces that it's, it takes a lot of time to get out and set up. Like something, you know, Agricola, for example, has all these different 
kinds of resources and kinds of pieces that you have to get out. And, and this is one of those games that I have organized our set in such a way that makes it even easier to break out. So having all the individual player colors and starting decks sorted out separately. So each player gets a bag and all the resources are sorted out. So that really helps us get our set to the table pretty quickly. Do you like that one? We've played it a few times lately. I do. I'm still wrapping my head around it because we've only, I think I've played two or three games. I liked the Salsa expansion, which we've only played with once. I like the addition of that wild to the mix of resources. I think it's going to be a game that we're really going to enjoy, but I need to play a few more times. Yeah, and I just picked up the Britain map, which is a great two-player map. So We played with one two-player map, which I enjoyed. What was that one? I think that was the Hispania map. Ah, okay. Yeah. So we are a little late to the party on Concordia, but one that I think we will enjoy continuing to play in the future. Which brings us to a similar... Speaking of Euro games. Euro game. A quintessential Euro game all the way back from 2011. This one could be on so many lists. That is the Castles of Burgundy. I think this might be one of my favorite Euro games. Yeah, this is a great one. Um, this certainly does one of the things you like, Mamie, which is the point salad. The sp- I love a point salad. Everything you do is good, and you Yay! score points for all of it. Uh, but Castle of Burgundy, just a great game. And one of those games, I think we like it so much because you know some, some of these, these Euro games really work best if you have three or four players. And you can make two players work, but the best experience is when you have the interaction of of multiple players, but Castles of Burgundy really works very well with two players. And, you know, similar to Concordia, I have a good time organizing games. And one reason I do that is probably my personality (laughs) is part of it. But, you know, having a good organizational system for your games really helps you to um, get the game set up and going quickly. And that's one thing I always try to think about when I organize games is how can I utilize uh, or how can my organization help with keeping the game organized while we're playing. So putting things in different containers that you just break the containers out and you're ready to go uh, versus spending time sorting things out. And so Castles of Burgundy is one of those. And I think we have just had a really good time playing it. You know, one thing I like about both Castles of Burgundy and Concordia is that while they are Euro games and they, I think both of them are a little bit point salad. Concordia is a little bit tighter contrarian yeah, control. You don't score any points till the end. Um, which it drives me a little nuts. But one thing that I really like about Castles of Burgundy, and and I think this is true for Concordia too, is that you're sort of building your own empire. You're building your own, I can't think of a word, other kingdom other than empire to use there. And there's not a lot of direct competition and conflict. You know, there's not a lot of like intentionally screwing the other player over. And, And I think for me personally, that's something that I appreciate in a game especially for a weeknight game when there's not kind of that tension between um, players because you're kind of just each building your own thing. Yeah, you like dominant species. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I don't know what, because it's a time for every season, right? Well, you know, that's, that's totally true. And I think, you know, Castles of Burgundy, you can certainly take something your opponent kind of wanted. and But there are lots of other things to take, right? No, no, it's not true. like then they just have nothing they can do. No, that's totally true. And, and, you know, in Concordia, there certainly becomes a little bit of competition for building in different cities, but you never completely block someone out. You just might make it a little more expensive for them to go there. Well, and then there's the thing in Concordia where if someone produces in a region and you happen to also have a f- production in that, you get a little benefit, from there, sure you can kind of leech off of other yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's I true. like that. Yeah, so two great Euro games that 
that work well really any night, but even on a weeknight, um, Concordia and then Castles of Burgundy. All right. Well, that brings us to the last game on our list, our number one game. All the way back from 2000, the oldest game on this list, the classic Carcassonne. Yeah, Carcassonne is definitely a classic. It may be the first of this heavier, more serious Euro games that we ever played. I think it might have been. Yeah, maybe it was certainly one was, of the there first. There was Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne. At I think it was the first game. About yeah. the same time. I think it was the first one, yeah. That's amazing. And it's still one that we would break out on a weeknight. And it's, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think setup is really easy. It's tiles. You get the tiles out and, and you the meeples, stack them up. And the meeples, the classic meeple meeples. That's right. I don't know if they're the original meeples, but they might as well be. They are in my mind. Yeah. And they're green ones, which I really appreciate. I love my green meeples. That's true. And another thing that I love about Carcassonne is that I think we can start teaching it to the kids. Well, we have my first Carcassonne, which is... Too easy for them now. Definitely. Yeah, I think we could play with the kids. But, you know, I will say my favorite Carcassonne to play is two-player Carcassonne. Yeah, it plays really, really well as two players because it goes quickly because you're, you know, you're not waiting for a lot of people to draw tiles and make a decision. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like with two players, you know, you're effectively getting half the tiles for yourself. And so it cuts down on some of the randomness of, oh, well, what I really need this one tile to make complete my city, but... If I'm only getting a fourth of the tiles, the likelihood of me getting it's pretty low. But in a two-player game, a lot of that luck of the draw really fades away. I think it also sort of streamlines strategy because you're really only focused on the empire you're building and the empire one other person is building. And then with the farms, you're kind of only having to keep an eye on one other person versus when they're are three or four players, it becomes a little more complicated to keep all that straight. So I think it takes longer when you're trying to make a decision about where to place your tile. Yeah, that's true. You know, Carcassonne's really great. We have some of the expansions, but for the most part, we just play regular Carcassonne. I do like to mix in some of the extra tiles that came with the expansions without adding any of the extra rules, because I think this one is pretty good as it is. And it is a great weeknight game. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a challenge for us. Okay. If we were going to play a game right now, which we're not because it's 1030 at night and I have to go to bed. But if we were, which of these 10 would you pick to play right now? I would pick Innovation. Okay, why? Well, I think one of my main reasons is we haven't played it for a while. And as we were putting this list together, it occurred to me like, oh yeah, Innovation. And I think one reason why... I overlook innovation sometimes. It's, it's in a really tiny box. and so when <laughs> It I'm doesn't just, jump out at you from yeah, the shelf. When I'm looking at the shelf for, oh, let's pick a game to play tonight, it kind of hides over to itself. But innovation is probably the game that I would pick. And I know we are going on a little family trip in a couple weeks, and it's a small box of cards, so I Easy might take pack. that one for us to play on our trip. That's another perk of innovation. That's true. It's an innovation of innovation. <laughs> what would you pick, Mamie? If I had to pick one right now, I would pick Carcassonne, our number one. Okay. And I think it's because I have that that feeling of nostalgia, and we haven't played it for a while, and I miss it. Well, I'd be happy to break any of them out, Mamie, if you want to just delay your bedtime a uh, couple hours. We could play both. How about tomorrow night? Tomorrow night sounds great. Okay. But it's not a weeknight, so maybe these games would also be great on a weekend night. That's right. Maybe we can play them. Top Friday night games, the maybe. same as this list. <laughs> Friday night, I might be more tired than week other nights. That's true. That's true. 
All right, well, this was fun reflecting on some of the games we like to play that we haven't really talked about a whole lot on the show. Definitely. Hopefully, you guys got some good ideas for games to add to your weeknight rotations. Yeah, and let us know what some of your favorite weeknight games are. Mamie, let's talk a little bit about where people can get in touch with us. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to Cardboard and Wine, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com, or you can jump right into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can check out photos of the games we play on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you, and it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, everyone. Until next time. Cheers Cheers and happy gaming. gaming.